In the following live session recording, Cindy Townsend, women's minister at First Baptist Church, Jackson, Mississippi, will talk about how to deal with the deep well of discouragement and anxiety in life and in ministry. Have you ever found yourself in a well of discouragement and anxiety? If so, you're in good company. Most all of the biblical heroes of the faith experienced such discouragement and anguish as they followed the Lord. Many godly men and women today can have times of being in a deep and dark well of discouragement and anxiety as well. This session will help the listener claim biblical truths to be able to proclaim, It is well with my soul. Wonderful. Let's join Cindy now. I feel good already. We've got a a Diet Coke up here. That is just awesome. Absolutely awesome. Um, How are y'all doing? So we enjoyed a sweet fellowship together and a meal together and um, and we'll share some words together. My dear friends, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone that he can devour. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith. For after you have suffered a little while, Christ himself will restore, establish, Strengthen and support you. Praise be to God. Amen. These are the words of David. I saw the Lord before me, and because he was at my right hand, I will not be shaken. You say that with me. I I will will not be shaken. Therefore my heart will be glad and my tongue rejoice today. My flesh will find hope. Because you have not abandoned me in hell. Can life throw some things that are hellacious our way? Because you've revealed to me the paths of life and hope. And you have filled me with your very presence. I will not be shaken. And then, as we think about the deep, dark well that we're going to be talking about tonight, think about the story of Joseph. This is what it says. And his brothers hated him even the more. And so they plotted to kill him. And then one said, let's not kill him, but let's just throw him into the pit. And some Bibles say, the dark well. And let's just see what happens to all his God-given dreams in the deep dark well. Can't you hear the brothers saying that? And so they threw him into the pit. Joseph was in the deep, dark well. He was very familiar 
with the interior design of the pit and the well. We'll talk about the rest of his story a little later. Did he stay in the well? No. But he was very familiar with the interior design of the well. Some of you blessed souls I saw you early this afternoon, you came back. <laughs> Bless you. See some new faces. But I need to let you know that I'm, I'm familiar with the interior design of the deep dark well. And this is not a time for me just to tell you my life story, but it's to tell you that I understand what David was talking about. And I'm glad. David was a man what? After God's own heart. He understood. He said, you have found me in my hell. Of course, David, some people say, well, he caused his mess. Or Joseph caused his mess. Now, that's the worst kind of discouragement when you caused your own mess. But I want us just to go on a journey together, and I will stand before you today telling you I'm still on a journey of God healing me because um, I am a... Southern Baptist preacher's kid. My dad pastored churches for 50 years before he went to heaven, and um, I've been on a convention staff doing ministry for women and work for nonprofits with orphans in over 30 countries. And I've been in junior high and high schools, God help me, and college. And through all of those, I want you to know that um, that I have struggled at times with. Um, the deep dark well and I felt really guilty about that for a long time until I started reading biographies of people who loved Jesus with all their heart Charles Spurgeon was familiar with the deep dark well he, matter of fact uh, the interior design of his heart he called it depression and yet he was one of the greatest preachers that's ever lived and his sermons are still held as, as exemplary sermons about the grace and the goodness of God. Could it, could it be that we as women, God allows us, we of all people, <laughs> need to celebrate the goodness of God because He allows us to feel the extremes of life. Maybe like men don't experience it. Don't tell them that. But really true. The, the, the exhilaration and celebration of life. But we also know what it's like. Even our bodies know what it's like to feel one way at one time of the month and another way at another time. So I'm glad we're all women in here right now because really it is a conversation for us to share together um, women heart to heart. Lord Jesus, would you speak as only you can? And will you move among us to bring yourself glory? In your name I pray. Amen. So, I want us to find help and hope. Did you hear hope and help in those scriptures that I shared at the very beginning? For the deep, dark well of discouragement. But I do want us to identify the stressors, you might say, that women encounter. And, and you may look at this, and I want you to know that I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. So, I'm not taking you on some clinical journey, okay? I'm just talking about life and life and how we live it and what we can encounter sometimes. And the women that we minister to in ministry will encounter, because I feel sure all of you are in here because you just know someone 
who's walked through this, you've never experienced anything like it, right? <laughs> Let's identify. Let's call this, let's give this a name. And I'll tell you why. Because when we give it a name, then we can resist it. <coughs> what it is in the name of Jesus. So we have our spirit that lives within us. And when I talk, I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And, and it's the reason we breathe and have purpose and meaning in life. Because of His Holy Spirit in us. But ladies, we just have a spirit. And has your spirit ever been crushed? So I want us to talk about the interior design of the deep well of discouragement and the different way, what it can do to our spirit. Um, there's a, a lady that written, wrote a book uh, recently called The Frazzled, I think it's The Frazzled Female or something like that. But you know stress, just stress, frazzles our spirit. Why? Why is that? Because it makes us go like this, you know, rather than on our agenda. Are y'all a list person and have, have your way for the day? All Man, it's stress. And you can bet Satan's like a roaring lion. He wants us to be frazzled. And he wants the world. Satan wants the world, the women in our world, in our women's ministry, to see us frazzled just like the world is frazzled. Is the world frazzled? When I think of frazzled, I think of something just kind of falling apart. Just frazzled spirit. Had days like that? That's the interior design of the deep dark well. And then there's disappointment. Disappointment is when we just kind of plan on things to go one way and for, for some reason, it just doesn't. You know, and, and that can bring us to a sad they can just make, oh, I was planning on it being this way. I'm so disappointed it didn't turn out this way. Oh, my goodness. If any of you are mothers, do you understand this? You're thinking it's going to be like this, and it may, you're sad because it's like this. Maybe for one day or more than a day. So we have a frazzled spirit if we're stressed. We have a disappointed spirit if we're sad. Then we have... Any of you are in warts? Yes. Getting better. Getting better? Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. You know, you read Matthew 5 and 6, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' greatest sermon. It talks about if he takes care of the lilies of the field, I'm going to take care of you. And who of us by worrying can add one more, you know, second to our lives? But ladies, we are really good at worrying. Yes. Some of us, where is a badge of honor? I'm just going to worry about you if you don't. Da, 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 da. Does that sound familiar? I had a good friend of mine saying, worrying is it's just like sitting in a rocket chair on a porch at the end of the day. Okay? Tell me a little more. How is it like that? Well, you're doing something, but you're getting nowhere. I'm just going to let that settle a little bit for all this worry is. Worrying causes us to have a troubled spirit. It's not so much sad, it's just trouble. Oh, I'm just worried. Just so worried. So worried about 
you. Don't worry about me. Just And then anxiety, some people put this whole thing under the umbrella of, of anxiety, but anxiety is more of a broken spirit, or at least that's my perception of it. These are definitions that the Lord has taught me through my life. Anxiety is from worry and disappointment and all its treasures and all those things go to a deeper, darker part of the well. And all of a sudden, there's something in the spirit that's broken. You ever heard of anxiety attacks? They are very real. Your heart starts beating really, really fast. Your body physically reacts to situations when it is stressed to the max. And so there's something that's broken in your spirit. And you know it needs to be fixed. And I know it needs to be fixed. But just don't know what to do about it. Have you ever known anybody that's filled not with worry but anxiety? Mm-hmm. I mean, they've worried so much that it's now breaking something inside of you. Mm-hmm. It can even break you physically. Mm-hmm. It can cause heart attacks. Can you see why Satan wants us to get in this well and stay? And then, and I'm not even going to say this is deeper in the well, it's just a part of the well. Then there's just outright fear. I just fear if, or what? Fear. I was with a group of senior adult ladies last, last month and some of those ladies said to me I've lived all my life and I'm still, I'm still so fearful and I'm fearful of things I never was even fearful of when I was younger my whole life I've been wrought with fear and what does fear do after a while you ever been seeing people so fearful they just they're paralyzed they can't function as Christ would have them function. They can't move smoothly from one place or another because fear has paralyzed. And so Satan wants us to be paralyzed. He wants us to stay there so that we cannot go any further. And then even deeper in the well is what? This is what Charles Spurgeon suffered with. Depression. And what kind of spirit is that? When you look around and you're just like, some of those commercials on TV about clinical depression, I get depressed watching them. I mean, I just think, because no spirit to get up in the morning, no spirit to want to go and do, um, depressed, hopeless. And we're not talking about non-Christian women here. They struggle with these things, but they struggle without hope of any sort with them. We're talking about, like us, people that know Jesus Christ as our Savior. And then, some of you would say this is the toughest part of the will. The deepest, darkest part of it. This is grief. 
when I say grief, that's a heavy spirit. My father died. My mom had a heavy spirit for a long, long time. You could see it on her face. You could hear it in her voice. A heavy spirit. And it doesn't. Do we grieve just when people die? What are some other things we grieve? Relationships, loss of any sort, we grieve. When my son waved goodbye to go to college, I grieved. That's kind of normal. But we're talking about a grief that is sustained over a long, long period of time. It's heavy, heavy, heavy. Some, I mean, grief is a normal part of life and loss. We have to walk. And I think in some ways it is good for us to walk through the grief because it shows how much we love. But we've got to get to the other side of the heaviness. And how do we do that? So I want us to pause here. And I want to ask you the question. Have you ever been or seen the interior design of any, any of those spirits I just described? The frazzled spirit, the sad spirit. The frazzled spirit's the stress spirit, right? The sad spirit, just disappointed. So disappointed. The troubled spirit, what was that? Worry, 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 worry. The broken spirit, what was that? Anxious. The paralyzed spirit, fear. And the hopeless spirit? And the heavy spirit. Once again, we have to remember that being able to feel is a good thing. We just can't get stuck in that well. Because the sustained being in that deep, dark well doesn't lead to help and hope and life that the Lord wants us to give us. But Satan, again, is like a roaring lion seeking those of us he can devour. Now I want to share this with you, and let's just... Let's just talk about it just for a moment. But, well, I'll tell you, before we go there, I want to well, talk to you about six identifiable causes for this deep, dark well. Six things. Part of it is life. <laughs> I mean, just the fact that we live life is one of the causes. And it's the circumstances that come about in our lives. So just life. Just life. Another one of the causes is this right here. You know what this is? It's the confused values of the world. The confused about the world, so life in its circumstances can get us there, but also the confused values of the world can take us there too. Y'all talk to me about that for a minute. Let's just talk about some of the confused values of the world. Marriage. Marriage What is marriage? How do you define it? The confused values of the world says bigger is better. So do you think some people are depressed or get upset because they don't have 
everything the world says that is success. And we, wow, we begin helping hope for us through to get out of the deep well of discouragement and is, is for us to realize that we don't need to embrace the standards and the values of this world. Because if we embrace it, then guess what? We're always going to be something worried. We're always going to be striving for something that we can never attain. So life circumstances just put us there sometimes and just throws it at us. And then sometimes the confused values throw it at us. But you know what? Sometimes it's just this that causes it. You want to talk about it, don't you? It's conflict in our relationships. Now we're talking, aren't we? Those that we love most and that say they love us most are the ones that we can most readily as women take us to those places. You know? And it's not conflict like I'm going to beat you up. It's conflict, you know, it's on the inside. And you know it's a little off and something's just not right in that relationship. And it's just, and you want it to be fixed. Any of you fixers? <laughs> and you're wanting to fix it so bad. And so the fact that that relationship is in conflict <coughs> is one of the causes of us getting in this deep dark well. Would you agree with that, ladies? I bet some of you are thinking right now of a relationship that if you think too long, it'll take you to places that you probably don't need to go. I'm going to tell you, my husband and I were carrying on a conversation recently, and he and I started saying, da 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 and he said, oh, we cannot talk about that anymore. And I said, why? And he said, oh, it's just what it does. It does something to me. And he said, doesn't it do something to you? I said, yeah, that's the reason I want to talk about. <laughs> but he couldn't even talk about it because it was one of those interpersonal relationships that's precious to us that... It's full off. That happens, huh? It puts us in that well. And then, you know, we also have our desires sometimes put us there. And um, I'm talking about (laughs) um, desires like, are you ready? (laughs) This. I desire, and this is real close to confused values too, to keep up with the Joneses. I desire, so we're weighing and we're comparing. I desire to whatever it is. And it can kind of make us disappointed or upset or get us in the well. I know when I was younger, this was kind of a funny. There was this lady, and she had three little children. And they would get to church, and they were so cute. They're always dressed perfect in their little linen, matchy-matchy outfits, like little stair steps, and the mother looked really cute. And they would bring them to the nursery, and I would just go, wow, that mama is just my hero. And I had just, I had two preschoolers, and I was just glad if I got them to, you know, the nursery with a diaper on. <laughs> you know? And so there were many days after church I would say, oh, Honey, Lori's just, 
her children. They, and the, oh, I just, you know, I was doing this kind of thing. You with me? So there was an unrest in my spirit. And kind of disappointed in myself that I couldn't have my little children all lined up in a row. Only to find out later that I think she had someone helping her every day of the week <laughs> dress those kids. Then I thought, pretty good. <laughs> I wash my kids' clothes. <laughs> and if it's on their back, I put it on their back. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes what we're upset about comparing ourselves to are really is really illogical. We need the whole story. Because honestly, everybody's story has some in it somewhere. So another thing that can put us, one of the, the causes for it is, is also this right here. And I'm going to have to be honest with you. This is me. It's not just life and the circumstances. And it's not just relationships and conflict. It's not just the whole comparing thing. This is right here for me. I want to control it. Like, I want to direct the neck of it. I want to take the situation from here and move it over here. Because I know what's best, don't I? Ha, 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 ha. Are there any control freaks in here? And so, if we're not very, very careful, if we're not very, very careful, controlling or trying to control the situation can really put us in a deep, dark place. And it really not, did you realize that controlling situations can also not only put you in a deep dark well, but it can put somebody else as well? Mm-hmm. Ooh, when, our, when our whatever it is affects someone else getting in the well, that's when we better talk about it even more. It's a kind of a funny about it, sort of. But when, when I guess I was like, five years old, six years old, somewhere around there. My mama played the piano in church. My daddy was the preacher. My brother was two and a half years younger than me. Guess who took care of him in church? Mm. And my brother liked to dress up in his little suits and stuff and go to church. And he was something to take care of in church. Mm. He was something to control in church. But my mama had a way of controlling me and him. She would do this. She would raise her eyebrow from that piano bench, and I mean, I would follow her eyebrow and say, <laughs> I mean, she could control me. And I knew I better take care of my little brother. My little brother's favorite thing was to get out, crawl under the pew, get out and during the last hymn invitation him and go stand by daddy and shake hands with everybody leaving the church. Shaking him. And in my role, my mom was up there was controlling things with her eyebrow like, don't let him do that. So I got in really bad trouble when he acted really bad. But one time he it was just really bad. And so the next Sunday came, my mom said, you watch me and you take care of your brother. He is, you know, he, at a very important time in worship, he's crawling under the bed. Okay, Mom, okay, 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 okay. So that morning I did. I took care of him. And he would try to get past me in front. I'd move to the front of the pew, you know, right by the pew so he couldn't get past me. And then he'd come behind and I'd go like this. And then he'd go under and I'd grab him. 
I mean, I still remember it. I mean, I, I was controlling it. It was awesome. It was the best Sunday ever. And then the service was over, and I looked down at him, and I said, oh, you were terrible, but I took care of you. And I thought, Mom's going to be so proud. And he looked up at me, and he ran out of the church. Ran as fast as he could. So I followed him. He went and got in the car, Mom and Dad's car, and I sat in the car with him. I said, I just can't believe how you acted, but I, I took care of you. I controlled it. He goes, Sandy, Sandy, I'm going to go to hell because of you. I'm going to go to hell because of you. I wanted to walk down the aisle and tell Daddy that I wanted to ask Jesus in my life. And you wouldn't let me off. I tried everything. And then I started crying. And then Mom got in the car and said, Sandy. And I said, oh, he's going to go to hell because of Dad got in the car and it was it was something. And the dad explained, you know, son, you know, you can accept Christ right here. But for our young minds, I just thought, my controlling him has made him go to hell. You know? And y'all, I'm telling you, when he shares his personal testimony, he loves telling his version of us. And I'm telling you, I tell the truth. He makes it really be saturated. But all that to say. Could our controlling situations and thinking we're controlling it so well be sending somebody else into the pits? Mm-hmm. It's worthy thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So when we're taking care of the deep, dark well that's going on inside of us, we're really doing it for the name of Christ and for all of those whom our life impacts because none of us live unto ourselves, do we? And another cause that we might have these stressors or depression or the heavy, all of those things is this right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the past, but also oh, would you just help me? It's just so heavy. <laughs> it's just that we're carrying too much. And we're carrying things that we were never designed to carry. Mm-hmm. I'm guilty. I, I set boundaries now, much better. But I'm going to tell you, if Satan can't get us doing wrong, he'll get us doing a bunch of good stuff to the point that we're worn out. Mm-hmm. And that can be that can get us in a deep, dark well. Isn't that so true? Hey, y'all are y'all are relating with me a little bit here, okay? Mm-hmm. Feel like, well, but I want you to know, I really had to come face to face with that and say, Lord, you know, they're just. I'm carrying somebody else's banner. Mm-hmm. I need to give this up so someone else will step up and carry the banner. I gave up something one time, and somebody told me, oh, if you'll give it up, the Lord will send somebody else to take your place. Three years later, it was still an empty spot there. Mm-hmm. But I knew God told me to give it up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I, I look back on that, and I'm like, Lord, I did what you told me to do. Because it was waiting me down. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes... Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. And I want us to, to life, circumstances, the world, and also our desires, our confused values, just our perspective of, of what's important, our relationships and conflict, and then carrying too many responsibilities. 
Now I want you to think about all those and you tell me which one do you lean in most? Wait, how does the roaring lion get you the quickest? Those are the six things that I've identified that can cause the deep dark well in lives of women and also in lives of ministry. You ever seen a ministry that's way too busy? Carrying way too many things going on and missing out on God totally? I want us to think now, together, we can have one of two responses. We can have harmful reactions or we can have helpful responses. So we've got some counterproductive negative reactions. Y'all, we all know there's difference between a reaction and a response, right? (laughs) So you tell me, what's the difference? What's the difference? Let's just kind of talk about it here for a second. Well, one. Oh, reaction is spontaneous. It's just spontaneous. It's just kind of yeah. First thing comes out. A response is more thoughtful, and response is also something that can be taught and learned. So some of us just need to learn our positive responses. But these are some counterproductive. We can waste valuable time <laughs> trying to understand it all. Have you ever leaned into your own understanding? What do you think Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says? Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean what? Not unto your your own understanding. We can't figure it out. Sometimes I stay up at night and I think think if I just stay up long enough, I can have it figured out. Who do I think I am? There's some things, it's just a waste of time to try to understand it all. Now, that doesn't mean we don't need to process things, but it just means we're not going to be able to understand all that happens in this life. And so what do we have to do? Lean not on our understanding and understand what trust is. We can also react by letting the deep, dark well jolt our confidence in God and in ourselves. I mean, if you get depressed enough, well, I can't do anything. Woe is me. We're Eeyore. You know, nobody loves me, everybody hates me. I think I'll go, what? Eat worms or something. And doesn't Satan have us when, when we, our confidence has been erupted and corrupted? And then we participate in counterproductive conversations. Okay, we're about to get nosy now. Y'all ready? With ourselves. Counterproductive conversations within our own minds and hearts. Someone said, the older I got, the more. I, my self-talk was destructive. I talked to a widow a year and a half or so ago and she said, if you just knew what I said back to myself, life's almost over, there's no reason for me to live. I mean, her self-talk was putting her in the well. I've been guilty. I'll be honest, I've been guilty of my self-talk not being good at all. I 
myself into the well. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, oh. Throwing my hands up before because of my own personal self-talk. Doesn't Satan have this? But now also, counterproductive conversations with people. When we're in trouble and we're headed to the interior of the deep, dark well. Okay, ladies. Who are we going to call? We're going to J-E-R-333, calling to me. All of, all of you, and I'll be there, the Lord says. He says, call to me. No, we usually call a friend. And if our friend's not a healthy friend, then our friend's going to say, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, it shouldn't have happened like that. Yeah. And y'all, we drag, we, them, drag them, we drag them on in the well. <laughs> and after it's over, we might feel a little bit better if we do need to talk it out. But we need to make sure that who we vent to is a wise woman of God. I am so thankful that the person, all of us need somebody to vent to. But I'm so thankful that God brought a missionary friend into my life and um, about 10 years ago. And she is so wise. And I can vent to her and she can listen and she can help me process it. And she always brings it back to words like this. Let's trust the Lord for this. Let's pray together. Now, if you are venting to a friend that can't bring you back to a better place, then you better find another friend to vent to. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, are you mad? Are you, I'm going to be depressed if you leave. No. I have I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be safe. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. God bless. God bless. I was really just joking, ma'am. <laughs> and we are we negative reaction. We prodfully burst forth with our own solutions. Well, that may be what life's thrown at me, but da da da. And then when we pridefully burst forth, what happens? Pride usually comes yeah, back down into the well. Because none of us like our own pride. We don't like our own pride. I took um, a friend of mine to the Lion King recently. And it was such a picture of Satan like a roaring lion. If you've seen that, the hissing and the I'm going to pull you into the to, to mop the deep and the dark. Pride. Pride can lead us to a real fall. Now we've got some helpful responses. We can prepare in advance. It's kind of like, y'all, okay, all right. All of that was so that we can move to a place we can breathe now. Can y'all breathe? <sighs> this is good. We're about to move to the good stuff, okay? <laughs> prepare in advance for the deep, dark well. There are ways, like I know what my tendencies are when I get around a certain person. Uh-huh. And so I prepare in advance for that so that there is absolutely nothing that they can do that will put me in the well. You've got to prepare in advance. You've got to know yourself so well. You've got to have taken it to the Lord in prayer and said, cover me so that I'm prepared. As I, I am putting the full armor of God on so when I walk in here, I'm ready. How are you preparing yourself? 
then we got to recognize the source, and we've already talked about, you know the source of all of this inside the deep, dark well stuff. You know who the source is, right? Let's say it. Satan. Remember, I read the scripture. Satan is the roaring light seeking those who may So we can't just say, oh, well, you know, maybe God's weaving all this stuff in. Our, he allows things to happen, but the bottom line is Satan's the one that's wanting to kill us. Satan is the one that's wanting you to stay in that deep, dark well. So let's recognize the source. Let's recognize his tactics. I did a study one time on the tactics of Satan and how he works. And I just want you to know, if you ever do that, you better be ready because he doesn't like it. It riles him up. And then he unleashes everything he's got to get you in a state that you won't ever teach on the tactics of Satan again. I'm serious because there was some weird stuff going on in our lives around that time when that study was being taught. we got to recognize his tactics. He always attacks in our weakness. And he hisses at our weaknesses. He doesn't celebrate our strengths. He always attacks our weakest part. He always, always, always uses the tongue to accuse us. Even of ourselves. I mean, I wish, I mean, we could talk, we could teach a whole weekend on the tactics of Satan. But you need to study it. And you and I need to know it so that when he starts doing his work, we say, I know that source. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. And you know what? In the name of Jesus, Satan has to flee. Mm-hmm. Little song I learned when I was a kid. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Satan will have to flee, 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 flee. I love that little song. I remember um, when I was little, my dad used to say, Satan has to flee when you say Jesus. And I'd get scared at night and I'd just say, Jesus! Because I knew Satan had to go away. That's a childlike look at that. But it's real. In the name of Jesus, get behind me, Satan. And you can say that in your spirit. Yes. And not even say it out loud when what is before you is satanic and you know it. Because I've done that. I mean, there might be a person and that person is not Satan, but Satan's using them to put you in that deep, dark well. So in your spirit, you need to put on the armor and, and in your spirit say, get behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. You don't even have to say it out loud. He hears our heart. And then we need to lean hard into the source of our strength on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. I should have put moment-by-moment in there. On a daily, moment-by-moment basis, we need to go to the rock of our salvation. To the rock that the builders rejected. We need to go to the rock of our salvation. Who is going to take care of us? When I was little, uh, I lived across the street from a woman. Her name was Miss Hogan, and she did oil paintings. And uh, Miss Hogan was the best. And 
I would get home from school about seven years old, and she said, Cindy, I'm going to teach you something new. And I'd go to she, her studio, her art studio was down in the basement of her house, and I could hardly wait to get home to run to Miss Hogan's, drink my milk, and run over to Miss Hogan's and learn how to do oil paintings. And one day I was in her studio, and I said, that is so ugly. She had pictures like on everywhere. And I'd never seen this one before. And she said, well, I pulled this out for you to see. And I said, that's so ugly. All your pictures are pretty, but that's so ugly. And she said, well, Cindy, actually, it's one of the most beautiful pictures I've ever created. And I looked at it. I said, it's dark. And it's gray. And the waves in the ocean are beating hard. And the rain's coming down. I mean, I, this child, you know, a childlike look at that picture. She said, that's right. But in the midst of that rock in the middle of the ocean, it's just a big rock. She said, look what's inside the cleft of that rock. And she pointed. And there was a little bitty bird up in the cleft of the rock, just totally at peace in the midst of the storm that was raging. She said, I painted this picture when my husband died because that's what God was for me. I could, in other words, she was saying, I could have gone to the deep, dark well and never, ever, ever come back out. But I was in the cleft of the rock of my salvation. And nothing could touch me. Y'all, that, that, that'll preach. That'll preach. I'm just saying. Practice being filled with His love and His Spirit and put on that full armor. It's hard to be depressed when you're loving somebody. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be down when you say, Lord, I need your spirit to fill me. Fill me, Jesus. Fill me. And then we need to realize that in our deepest, darkest places in the well, the Lord will give us treasures in the darkness. You ever gotten a golden nugget treasure in the darkness of your life? (coughs) Discovered somebody that loves you you didn't even know was there? I mean, I remember after my daddy passed away, God showed up and gave me a treasure in the darkness of my heart with a casserole. Somebody just rang the doorbell and handed me a casserole. And it was a treasure in the darkness. And who said God can't use casseroles? <laughs> God can use, He gives us treasures in secret places. And yes, that's biblical. Isaiah 45, 3 says, And I will give you hidden treasure, treasures, riches stored in secret places, that you may know that I am the Lord, your God, the God of Israel, who summons you with the whole flock of sheep. No, that's not what it says. What does it say? Beverly. Beverly. Missy. I'm the Lord your God. I see you in that well. I'm going to give you a treasure in the darkness if you lean into me. Beverly. I know it just said your name, but do I have it at 2030? Is that right? 830. Okay, I just want to make sure. Okay. <laughs> Quick story. After my dad died, my mom and dad had downsized. And so they were in a Liberty house 
in a new community and they didn't know any of their neighbors because they had moved to be closer to us. They were in it just a couple of months and dad died. My mom had never spent the night alone. And she found herself alone. And not only that, after dad died, I've got three siblings and two non-biological siblings. Um, and the, between the five of us, we made trips. And mom, we just made sure mom was never alone. We just kind of t- took care of her. So one day she says, I know what you're doing. I figured it out. <laughs> one of you comes and another one comes. And she looked at me and she said, don't take my grief away. I've got to have some good grief. I've got to have some good grief. And she was talking about it in a healthy way. But it was a deep, dark well. She said that first night that she was by herself that I called her three times. I lived in Louisiana at the time. And I called her and said, Mom, are you okay? She goes, yeah. I got, yeah. She said, finally, Cindy, quit calling. It settled. And I lay back. She said, I was in my bed. And I suddenly thought, you know, I don't even know my neighbors. And then she said anxiety started building inside of her. And she started becoming fearful. And she said, she thought, I've got to call out to the Lord. And she said, what can I do? I'm so anxious and I'm so sad. It was like grief, anxiety, all of it just piled up in her all at once. And that can happen too. And she said, I thought, whew, it's dark in this house. I need to go turn on the light. And so she walked out of her bedroom down into the living room of her house that she really wasn't that familiar with. She hadn't lived in it that long. And she got. She says, I think I'd feel better if I just turned on my front porch light. And she said as she was walking, she said to herself, now Barbara Jean, that's her name, Barbara Jean. I'm Cindy Jean, as I always told you. Um, so she said, now Barbara Jean, you got to walk through this. And she said she started talking to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm fearful, I'm grieving, I'm afraid. She was just talking to the Lord. She flipped that front porch light on. She was just talking to the Lord and said, Lord, you've got to take care of me. And she said he didn't say that all of her voice, but she heard in her spirit the Lord say, Barbara Jean, he called her by name, summons her by name, and said, Barbara Jean, I've got this. And she said, I said to him, oh, really, Lord? You got this? I'm so, so afraid. And she said she turned around to walk back to the bedroom and she stopped. And she was just so in shock at what she saw. Because there in the living room floor was the most beautiful shadow picture of a cross on a hill. Across the entire living room floor. And she said, she said out loud, Lord, you did have Barbara Jane. You're going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. So the next day she calls me. She goes, you got to come to my house when it's not night. Come turn on the porch light. you got to see what God is. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding you. People came to our house just to see that. She had never seen it before. But you know what it was? It was the cut glass over her doorway. And when it shone through, it was a perfect reflection of the cross that God spoke to her through. Treasures in the darkness. He's got them for you too. He's got them for you too. He's got them for me too. Oh, I wish we had longer. But these are some things, some experiences that have helped me. 
um, in the well of discouragement. One of them, this looks like if you're a musician, this is an opera singer, singer, singer singing some high <laughs> operatic aria, whatever, but it's not. It's a woman with an invisible partner. You want to get out of the deep well of discouragement, anxiety, fear, grief, all those things, then learn the divine dance. Which there's been books written about that. But it's one thing to read a book, it's another thing to really live it. And by that I mean, are you ready for this? He leads me beside the still waters. Who leads? Who leads in the divine dance? Jesus. He leads me. I think sometimes when I've been low in my spirit, it's been because I'm doing the leading. And I'm not allowing the spirit to lead me. And sometimes I get one step ahead in it. And it messes up that divine dance. Because he needs to be the one to take me and twirl me around and set my feet on solid ground. Mm. Lord, just can't make this life without you. Matter of fact, Lord, I've been so down in the deep well of discouragement that I didn't ever think I'd sing much less dance again. You're telling me that, yeah, I want you to dance. It's a divine thing. And I'm going to tell you the steps. And I'm going to show you the quarrels. And I'm going to lead. So what does that do to the woman who's in control for you? <laughs> What's that do? You tell me. Messes it all up. Because what do we do when we're... What do we do? We're yielding what? We're yielding control. And we're saying, I'm leaning into you. So that this dance of my life will bring you the most glory, even through the hardships. And we are all going to have them. That's really the 30 minute part of this session, just to talk about the divine dance. But we'll just. The divine dance makes us stop and examine ourselves. And are we letting Him lead? Another experience that we have are obedient steps. You know, a lot of times, I'm just going to be real with you, when I found myself in the well of discouragement or whatever it was, a lot of times, if I were taking an evaluation of the steps I was taking, I was not even doing obediently what I knew to do was obedient to the Lord. You know, it was it was a perpetual downward spiral because I was not following in obedience. You know, there's some things as Christian women we just know to do. We know to get up every morning and call on the name of the Lord. We know every day to say, Lord, this is Private Cindy Townsend reporting for duty here today, Lord Jesus, and I want to walk in your obedience. That's an experience that we need to have together. And as we take obedience steps, we can claim biblical scriptures and promises. You tell me some, some steps that help us in life. I know uh, my father 
had a, a stroke before the stroke that took his life, and he had to learn how to walk again. And I took him to therapy every time he went to therapy because my mama couldn't do it. And she was also working to help support the family during that time too. And I'll never forget him struggling really, really hard to take obedient steps that the therapist was telling him to take. And I was sitting over in a corner wanting to control him, you know, wanting to help him, but he had to do it himself to learn how to walk again as an adult man. And he stood and he couldn't he couldn't move. And I I heard something that I still can't believe happened. It was this. Are you ready? Dr. Malone, that was my daddy. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. For the Lord your God is with you. That's what the therapist whispered in my daddy's ear. And he'd drag a foot and take an obedient step. And he'd take another step. Dr. Malone, nothing can separate you from God's love. Death can't. Life can't. The angels won't. And all the powers of hell itself. All the powers of hell itself unleashed cannot take God's love away from you. And my dad would drag that those feet and he'd take obedient steps. That is a visual picture of when we are struggling and he was struggling. But before he knew it, with every one of those scriptures, he made it across the room dragging his feet. It took a long time. And, of course, I was crying over in the corner somewhere. And I went up to the therapist later, later and I said, how did you know that he was a preacher? Mm-hmm. He said, I didn't. I said, you didn't know my dad was a preacher? No, he said, but I prayed when I saw him struggling. And God said, quote, my promises to this man. He, and I said, you don't do this all the time? He said, ma'am, this is the first time I've ever done that before. Mm-hmm. He was whispering promises in my father's ear. And my father was able to take obedient steps because he was leaning hard into the promises of God. You can too. I can too. Claim it. I mean it. And by that, I don't mean everything's going to be perfect tomorrow. It took my dad a whole year to walk. But with every step, he was leaning into the promises of God. And then the experience of a joy ride. That's something... You say, a joyride? There ain't anything we've talked about that's a joyride. How many of you are roller coaster crazy people? Something's so wrong with you. So wrong with you. Raise those hands high. I mean, yeah, my adult children, they just, I'm like, how do y'all do that? But anyway, I've gotten on a few and thought I was going to die. But anyway, I did and I'm here. But, but I, I, I Googled something about the most horrific or terrifying. Um, roller coasters in the world. Now, I didn't do this just because I had nothing to do. I was, it was kind of in research for this. And you know, there's one I think called the Cannonball. And it goes 200 something feet straight up in the air. Now, all of you that love roller coasters, this is just. So it goes all the way up. Then you get to the very top, and then guess what it does? It comes right back down. But this one is a little different. It doesn't just come down. It goes down and under the ground. So it loops under the ground and backward. I'd say that's a roller coaster. Right. Some people would call that a joy ride. And I think 
the reason I say that is, isn't that like life? We think we're there and then it's just a plunge downward. And then it's not only downward, but it goes deeper than we ever thought it would go. It takes us deeper in that world than we ever thought it would ever be. Our sister would ever be. And what we have to understand is that even through that, and we laugh and say, woo, you know, the thrill kind of joy. But you know, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. We know that. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 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 The joy of the Lord. And y'all, one day, the joy of the Lord that has been our strength will be our sight. Mm-hmm. We'll see him face to face. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is life is going to be a roller coaster to the so we got to understand that strength that sustains through the ups and downs of life. we so got to understand that. Don't we, ladies? Any thoughts on that? The joy of the Lord is our strength. We have deeper experience, deeper intimacy with the Lord when we go, we're up and down. I mean, if life was always the same, we wouldn't lean on Him, would we? But because I've been in the deep well, I know he met me there. And you know what Satan means for evil? God can work good through. And so Joseph didn't stay in the well, but he actually came out, was sold for those 20 20 pieces of silver, and then God redeemed the whole situation. As only God can. Like I read in Peter at the beginning, I will restore you. I will strengthen you, and I will support you. Do you know when we're on those joy rides that we don't think we can survive? You know, if you've ever had an anxiety attack, that's a joy ride. It's like, (gasps) you know, it just takes your breath away. But we can find a deeper intimacy with God through life's ups, ups and downs than we ever could if it was just... And that's not because he's not available to us in the same way. It's just that we lean harder and we cling to Jesus when, when life goes down and even a roller coaster that takes us under. And this is the key. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. You know, you got a pinnacle. Is that what you call it? Pinnacle camp, apparently? And I bet they have on their recreation course, you see these, these young people holding their hands out like this. And this person is like this. And on the count of three, that person's going to fall backwards and trust that everybody behind them is going to catch them. That's when you're not in control. The key is to move to a place that we trust the Lord of the universe, that He created billions of birds 
and and somebody said the other day, let me see if I can find this. I thought this was the coolest thing. I, I wrote it down in my Bible. I thought it was so cool. Just, if I can find it, okay, where did I write it, Sandy? Which scripture? Okay, here it is. I think. Okay, there are 400 billion birds on the face of this earth. Okay. So if you were to take us, divide the birds by all of us, that means that each one of us, every person on the face of the earth would have 60 birds that sing to us every Sunday, every morning, just to us, out of the 400 billion. That's pretty cool. So if we have a God who can create 400 billion birds and give us our own bird chorus of 60, can we not trust that he has this? It's been a very freeing thing for me to come to the Lord and just say, and it's not like, I trust you, Lord. Whatever will be, will be. You're my last resort. But to come to Him first thing and to say, this is beyond me. This is way beyond me. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you for all eternity. I trust you for the next moments. Those were some of the first words that Elizabeth Elliot, they say, ever uttered after her husband Jim Elliot was in Ecuador and he was killed by the very people he was trying to share Christ with. And she moved to a place of trusting in the Lord. Would you say she was grieving? But in the midst of it, she had a trust fall. She just fell into the arms of the Lord and said, I trust you. And God used her mightily even after his death. How is he going to use your story? As you fall back and trust him. Only trust him. (coughs) It's the only way. It helps us grow in our ability. When we fall back in his arms, we can just trust more in the Lord. Because you know what? He's never dropped us. Has he? So he's trustworthy. Then lastly, you ever gone on a faith walk before where you put the blindfolds on and then somebody guides you and says, take a left here and then take a right here. You know, and they start screaming and trying to throw you off and all those kinds of things. Year before last, not this year, but the year before, was really one of those years of struggle in, in, in our lives. And so... My husband and I, we, we choose a word for every year to claim in the name of Jesus. And we usually pl- choose a scripture that we quote when we need it all that year. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? For this year, we claim a motto. We've never done that before. And you know what my motto is? Mm-hmm. Fear will not be my default place to go. Mm-hmm. Instead, I will walk So, I'm driving down the road in Jackson, Mississippi, and bang, and it in a car that hit me, but it was was worse than that. I got that phone call, and I'm like, oh, and fear began to well up in me, and I felt my heart begin to beat fast, and that anxiety began, and that well coming, and I remembered our motto. And so out loud, I said, I will not let fear be the first place I go. I'm going to run by faith 
first to you, Jesus. Because it is by faith that Noah built the ark. It is by faith that Moses crossed the Red Sea on dry land. It is by faith that Joshua picked up the hymn and walked on. It is by faith that we have the victory. Faith is the victory. It's something to think about, isn't it? Praise. Thank and pray from a place of faith and not from a place of fear and worry and feelings and doubt and all those things. But praise and thank and pray from a place of faith and not of fear and worry and doubt and despair and disappointment. Wow! I have one person in my life that's heavy on my heart because I love it. You know what? My prayers even began to change this year. It wasn't, oh Lord, what's going to happen if da da da? God, please take care of him. Lord, you know, what if da da You know, I've had prayers like that before. And he, he understands prayers like that. But it's more like this Lord, I praise you for him. I praise you that you created him. I praise you that you know the number of hair of his head. I praise you that you have a plan and purpose for his life. I praise you that you give him the ability for him. I praise you that you have the right person that's going to be at the right place at the right time. Lord, I praise you. And everything I praised him for was true. He does have a purpose. And all of a sudden, I began to see that situation in a new life. And then I began to say, and I thank you, God, for him. I thank you for him. And I thank you, even though even though it's not all figured out right now, that you still are at work. I praise you. Praise, thank, and pray. Now, that doesn't mean you just claim it and it's going to be changed. Because there hasn't been anything physical that I've seen change yet. But you know what has changed? I'm walking around with more faith. I'm walking around with more joy. I'm a lot nicer to be around. I smile every once in a while when I think of it. You know what I'm saying? And isn't that what our life's all about? It's about God changing us and changing our perspective so that really, honestly and truly, we want to wipe out the well of despair in our lives. We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because He's our hope. And we're going to end like we began. Oh, no, I, I've got to share this real quick. Is that okay? Okay. We will hope in God. A, God, a woman who trusts in God and walks in faith will, will hope in God. She will trust in Him and His promises. She will understand the benefits of abiding in the shadow of the Almighty is too glorious to forsake. Y'all, that's deep. So if we're going to hide, let's don't hide in the well. Let's hide in the shadow of the Almighty that is too glorious to forsake. And let's close with this. Be alert because Satan is like, the devil is your adversary and he's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking those he may devour, you (coughs) and me. But do this. Remember that in Christ, He Himself will come to you. He will restore you. He will establish you. He will strengthen you. 
and he'll support you when you're weak. He is strong. What time I'm afraid I will trust in you. When I am weak, you are strong. <coughs> it's really true. How do I know? Not an expert at a lot of stuff. This subject, I've been in that well. And I can tell you, he has not let me down. And I challenge you to don't let the dark well be your default place. Go to him in faith. Let's, let, let, that's sweet. Well, I pray God to use it for his glory. Let, let's close in prayer. Well, Lord, we just poured it out all as a drink offering before you because, Lord, we don't know what else to do. It's just to praise you. Just to praise you, Jesus. Lord, help us to leave here walking a little taller, thinking much more wisely, with our eyes fixed with purpose on you ready to assume the divine dance and let you lead. And yea, though you lead, you'll lead us through even death itself. And we will fear no evil, for you are with us. Lord, teach us as Christian women to embrace life and all the circumstances of life in such a way that we show the women around us and the women's ministry around us or in our daily lives, that we've got something different because we're leaning on a strength and a rock that protects us and that gives us all we need in you. God, don't let us be like the women of this world with no hope. Lord, please don't let us believe Satan's lies. Let us put on your armor and stand and not be shaken, as David said. In your holy In your most precious name, I pray, God, cover these women with your love. Cover them with your grace. Speak to their spirits, Lord, as only you can. In your holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.